Jonathan, so welcome to the BISP Education Podcast. What is the BISP Cruzeiro Football Academy? Thank you very much for having me. Um, it's a specialized program uh, in football uh, with the aim of develop football athletes that have the aim to become professional footballers or to later on go to universities. And how did the academy get started? So we got started in 2013. Um, uh, at that time, I was working in, in the international department in Cruzeiro in Brazil. So when we received two uh, students from BISP to do an exchange program. So at that time, we didn't have any um, intention of having an international program outside of the country. So that um, clicked us with a great opportunity when, when we found out about BISP and the facilities and everything else. So I think it was a, it was a good link um, to, to raise up the idea to develop the, the football outside of the country. Whose idea was it? Was it yourself going to directors at Cruzeiro? Yeah, I was working as uh, one of the in-charge uh, persons at the department. Then I, I had a director there, so we got together and then we put a plan and we create the program. So then obviously um, we had a few challenges in the beginning on how to, to, to bring the methodology out of the country and how to adapt that to a new, to a new place. So then, yeah, BSP was the first door that opened to us and, and was, was uh, an amazing uh, opportunity. What was the academy like in the early days? How, how many students did you have in the first year? So back in 2013, I think the first step when it got here, it was just to scan everything and try to design a program that fits into the school, uh, into the culture and everything else. So we started very small. Now we've done a, a trials in the beginning with our own students. Then we open up for um, possible scholarship students. So we, we, we start very, very small. I remember we started with um, 15 students in the beginning and, and from that we progress from what we are today. How many students are there today? So now we have 200 students uh, in the program uh, in both genders and age groups from under fives all the way to the under 19s um, in different categories. So it's, it's growing, still growing. There's room for growth still, but I think we reach out a very good level now. What do the under fives do? How are they involved? So under fives, uh, our entry door um, in the academy, um, our main aim there is really to develop the passion for the game and the first steps into the sports. They only do once a week at the moment. So we're trying to, to push that a little bit more. But uh, we can see the, the excitement, you know, the first touch and, and everything at that age group is really fascinating to see how the young kids, the, they start to understand, they enjoy the game and, and all the emotions that involve it. And who teaches the under fives? Is it our best Cruzeiro coaching? Yes. So all the, the, the age groups that we have right now, they are coached and they teach by our professional coaches. So that happens with the under fives as well. Uh, we have uh, helpers, um, normally our senior students, they are helping us uh, with the young ones. And we have P interns as well that help out on those sessions. That's great.
What have been some of the key successes of the academy so far? So um, I can I think we have many successes throughout the, those um, past eight years, and I think one obviously we, we a team sport, and then when we go out in tournaments. So the idea is to represent well the school and we've been achieving a lot of good results, um, winning tournaments and representing well the school. And, but more than that, playing the way we want. So, and, and, and showing uh, to everybody that's watching the games, our playing style, that, that's one of our main points. Uh, on top of this, we have individual achievements. So which are the players that are moving on to professional careers, playing prof professional clubs in different places, as well um, players that are going to universities and, and throughout scholarship to carry on the education as well playing high level. What is the style of play that you, you aim for with your teams? So it's, it's obviously that we are Brazilians, so we're trying to um, replicate here the kind of game that we, we grew up playing and watching and obviously that we learn throughout our coach's career. Um, and we try to adapt this to the school scenario, to the community we have, to the type of players we have here. And it's been, it's been successively um, uh, going well. Um, we have a, a different way to do it. So a different methods to, to run and to deliver the football here, which is uh, it's very much based on the game. So what we, we see around, especially here in Asia, it's um, they try to teach football um, splitting by a fundamental. So every training session, they pick a, a fundamental passing, for example, and they base the session on that. We do the opposite. We see football as a whole, and our starting point, it is the game. So we teach the game first to then we teach the skills and the technical side. So we believe by doing this, the player will have better experiences and we will understand overall the game first before we specialize on the technical side of it. So it's more uh, understand how to play first to then um, learn how to play. So it's, it's playing by experiences and they can have the they own feedback with the mistakes that they're having and as well they will have the coaches uh, feedback on top of that does that help generate the enthusiasm in the players as well rather than doing individual fundamentals at the start i think so because football is a dynamic game so if you um, cut that too much and if you stop too much you will kind of will um will, will have problem the creative side of the game because um the, the plays they are linked they are linked with uh, with um, with each other during the during the match so if you um, stop too much and then if you put them in lines too much and it's too much waiting um, so the motivation levels will drop as well so um, and then by by playing the game which is the for us is the most important thing so they will keep active all the time they will understand more there will, there will be exposure more to what the games really um, uh, demands from the players. What's the Cruzeiro method? Yeah, so um, like I said in the beginning, it's, um, it's, it's based on the game. The initial point for us, it is the game. So it's crucial for us um, that every single training session, 
there is a type of game involved. Not necessarily a formal game, but it's a game uh, going on at the same time. So then we focus on that um, instead to focus on the technical side first. So we need to make sure that the kid understand how the game operates itself to then we get into the details and on a technical side. So I think that's the that's the main 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 point that I that I can uh, tell you. There, there seem to be sort of movements in Europe or, or trends. So we had the tiki taka, and now it's more running and game pressing. Is, is there a characteristic that defines Cruzeiro's style? I think um, every obviously every place have a different culture, and 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 then if you go to South America, you're gonna watch a football game, you will see something. If you go to Europe, you're going to be watching something different in, in Asia as well. So everything, um, it's around the culture of the place, around the characteristics of the players, um, not only physical, but in all sense as well. So I think um, um, in Brazil, especially, and what we're trying to bring here, we want to play the game well, you know, so we want the, the kids enjoy have the ball and not being scared of the ball and not get rid of the ball, you know, um, so by giving to them confidence to do that and and by having the players understand what they're doing and enjoying to have the ball and try create and creativity is a big part of our our methods as well because um obviously brazil is well known for to have to produce creative players and then we always have a, a street football to 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 help us with that and then create that freedom and that sense of creativity so that's what we're trying to do here as well. Not too much um, be too technical on what we do. Obviously, the, the technical side, it is important. But most importantly, it is the way we play. It is the way the, the, the kids understand the game, the decision making that they have. And, and, and that's what we're trying to do here. It sounds like to achieve that level of creativity, the, the students must have a lot of confidence. How do you create a culture where they're confident to experiment and, and to be creative or hold on to the ball? Yeah, I think first thing, it, it all depends on the coaching style as well, because I think coaches, they must allow the kids to have mistakes, you know, because we, we used to call football a mistake game. So everybody will have mistakes all the time. And by allowing them to, to have the mistakes and understand that's fine, it's part of the game. I think that's one thing. You know, you're not going to have the coach hammer him because he has a passing mistake. So it's understandable. Um, the second thing is to give tools to the players to perform well and to understand well. I think if they, by training, they will obviously improve. And, and, and by have the confidence to, on the technical side, they will try to do more things, you know. And we will encourage them to do that. Um, not only to play a safe game where they're going to just pass the ball to the sides, we will encourage them to try hard pass, you know, or to try dribble past the opponent or, or stuff like that. So I think the, the confidence will come from the preparation and obviously from the way we want they, they um, play the game. What was your personal background in football before becoming the, the director of football? Right, as, a, as a, any younger kid in Brazil, we grew up in a football culture and obviously with me wasn't different. So, um, and I think for me it was even more um, inspiring because I came from a football family. So my, my father was a football coach. 
So I kind of um, grew up following him everywhere he goes and all the football pitches. And then I went through all my youth development in Brazil. So I played football all the way. Um, then I became pro. So I played pro professional football for two years in Brazil. And then I decided to move on. So then I done my uh, PE degree. So I'm a physical education um, uh, teacher as well. So and then I done all my qualifications um, on, a, on a football side. So then I start my career as a, as a football coach, um, coaching in small clubs. Then I got a chance to, to move on to Cruzeiro as a, as, a, as a youth coach as well. Then from that, I, I moved to the international department where everything starts. And how long were you with the uh, international department? Was that 2013? Yeah, I, I was there only for one year. So it was a, was a very um, quick um, period that I, I was working there. So um, as soon as I moved to the, to the international program, obviously that my personal expectation was to, to go abroad, you know, because I got um, fascinated for uh, different cultures and, and how I could uh, personally uh, bring all my experience, all my knowledge to other people around the world. So that was the, my personal goal at that stage. It's really um, go outside of the country and develop um, what I believe it is, you know, the, a, a good way to play football. And how about our other coaches? What are their qualifications and backgrounds? Yeah, most of the coaches are PE teachers as well. So we have professional ex-footballers in our staff um, and all have a football qualification. So we, some of them work at Cruzeiro as well. So we, we got to know each other uh, from the past. So they all have um, professional football and academics background too. What are some of the challenges of managing a football academy within a school environment? It's a, it's a big difference between a club and, and a school environment. And I think that was one of the biggest challenges um, when, I, when I first arrived here is to understand those differences, you know. Um, obviously, when you're in a club, the player it's fully committed with football so um, obviously he will have his academics that he will study but in the club we only focus on football and coming to the school we have to see things in a more holistic way where we have academics and we also have the boarding life for most of them and we need to manage how to combine that um, in a healthy way you know to make sure that um, the athlete or the student athlete, as we call them, can manage both in a high level, his football side and his academics. And as well, the, the school environment is different. It's more an educational environment, which is in the club. Sometimes you don't have time to do that, you know, because the competition is super hard. And, and then the demand uh, from, you know, the environment uh, push the players too hard and, and obviously the coaches will have uh, less patience and, and the players will have less time as well. So uh, especially in Brazil where um, it's a big population, everybody wants to become a professional footballer. So it's, it's, it's very competitive. So um, it's a very tough environment, a football club, if we compare with the school. Because here the kids have more options as well, and we are preparing them in both sides. So we're preparing them for the academic life, and then 
in the future go to university in the same in the same um, hand we're preparing them on a sports side to make sure that they can carry on both at the same time what are the benefits to the student of that rather than just joining a club and downplaying the academics yeah i think um, when you're just going for a club you only have one choice you want to become a professional player you know and then we know that that's a very tricky way because things are can get out of your control pretty easily uh, injury or you know a you know a poor decision from the club or many many different things can happen and and obviously is a competitive world i think the biggest advantage advantage that we have here is that we prepare the player for the future the student athlete for the future so he can carry on his studies in high quality and then have an option if things do not go well football wise he still manage can can go to university and, and carry on his life so i think for me um, that's the key that's the big difference in our program we can combine both things with high quality how do you help a student balance those things at, at that high level i think so it's all the matter of managing the time it's achievable um, because if you look at the the timetable that they have in school and football uh, you would think that uh, that could be too much but i think when uh, the student athletes they get here they they learn about time management so they kind of focus their energy towards those two areas and things that can distract them throughout the day they cut that off so that um, that allow them to really focus on those two things obviously throughout the the time here um, we will have to adjust and manage things uh, because every individual is different so we try our best to accommodate for example when it's a exam time so we we relieve a little bit um, the football trainings and on another hand when we have competitions where we have to travel the school also support us and and allow the students to go and and compete so it's a kind of um a a a, a work that we combine between academics and the sports to make sure that at the end of the day our fin final product it is the student athlete so we need to look after uh, the student athlete well-being so we try to manage everything to make sure that you succeed in the future you mentioned that a lot of uh, student athletes are boarders as well boarding students are there particular benefits of being a boarding student i guess so um, obviously we have many day students that um, they are on the uh, the comfort of, of the house and they have the parents around and that's a positive point as well they have that support daily However, uh, I think being boarding, it kind of developed a sense of responsibility uh, from the young ages on the kids where they have to look after themselves, um, learn how to manage their time and everything. And, and by having everything in the same complex it makes everything way easier because there's less uh, wasting time with traveling, uh, with traffic, you know, and it's easy for um, we control the nutrition of the, the students, easy to control the resting, the sleeping and the recovering as well. So by having them in boarding, we also create a good um, sports culture because they, most of them live here. So they create that, that bond that they get together and, and that helps on the pitch as well. So that level of um, 
involvement that they have, the friendship that helps as well when, when they play. And what have some of our past students gone on to do following graduation? Yeah, we have two pathways. Um, universities in US or in, in other areas. Uh, that's, um, it became the first destination now. I think more and more parents and the students are understanding that um, become a professional football player. It is a reality, but it's, it's very difficult as well. So now I think by having those players um, going to US, get their degree and still playing high level and with a chance to be drafted to a, a MLS league or moving on to a professional careers after that, it is possible, it is achievable. And, and they can manage, finish the school and do that. Which is for professional football, it's a little bit different because the process have to start a bit earlier than that. So we have um, clubs that the entry door, it's 13 years old. So really, if a student wants to, to go to a professional club, sometimes you have to start the process a little bit earlier. That's not a rule. We have students moving on with 15, 16. And, and sometimes even after they graduated, there is still a chance, you know, um, to join a football club. But most of the clubs, they rather have the player from the young ages and then they, they form that player the way that they like or under their culture. Instead, you get uh, 18 or 19 years old um, that will have no identification with the club. So they prefer to really form the player at, um, at the youth level in the club. What are the scholarship opportunities in the US at the moment in football? I think there are huge opportunities. Um, we now reach out uh, 15 uh, student athletes that move on to the state. That's on the last five years. Uh, it's a big number. Um, that's for both genders. And there are many um, universities in the US. So there are uh, great opportunities. Um, and an important thing that we, we need to say that nowadays, not just the sports, um, that it's matter. The academics is really important if you want to get a scholarship in the U.S. So that's why I think one of the benefits of our program is that we can prepare well our student athlete in both sense, academically and then uh, in football as well. And you mentioned that your academy offers scholarships as well. What do you look for in a potential scholarship recipient? Yeah, it depends on the age. Um, we are looking now for more younger athletes than older ones. For the fact that is that by having them here earlier, they can um, have better experiences and have a little bit more time to understand and, and, and to learn from our, from our method so we can have a better impact on them. So the younger ones, we're looking for future potential. So we, we obviously the technical side, it is one of the, the most important, we, we need to, to assess that. Um, but we look at the, the player's experience as well, the overall understanding of the game. Um, the physical aspects is the last thing that we look because we know they all will grow and all will develop if they own the right environment. Um, so obviously we look at the, the player's profile, uh, and then, and everything related with the personality as well. So when they're older, we are looking, um, to a player that it's kind of um, ready, and then we will just shape them up, uh, before 
the, the next move on their career. So, for example, if you get the player to play here for the last two years to do IB, we just will shape the technique and then try give to them a little bit of the game understanding and more tactics um, and then really just to prepare them on, on, on the routine of a college, for example, waking up in the mornings, you know, having double sessions a day and preparing them physically for the next step. But um, yeah, we, we are looking more now to get a younger uh, student athletes. Do you believe success in football is more about natural talent or more the ability to train and learn? Yeah, that's a that's a big question and people still debating about that, you know. Um, for me personally, um, talent is just a set of skills that each individual have for different things, you know. And then for football, we will have um, um, students and with a good set of skills to play the game. But if you do not work on that, if you do not put the time and if you not develop that set of skills, no matter um, how, how much is your potential, you're not going to reach a high level. Um, and in another, in another situation, you have kids that do not have that set of skills, but because of the, the training and, and, and the hard work they put, they, they could achieve a good level in the future. So I'm, I'm a firm believer of training and preparation. So I would say that um, obviously you get kids that um, they are naturally talented or naturally have a good set of skills to play the game. However, we need to make sure that that kid is in the right environment and we prepare and make sure that we give everything that he needs to achieve what he wants in the future. How much training does a student athlete need to put into football to, to have a chance of reaching that highest level? Yeah, we split that by age groups. Um, we respect the biological and physiological um, development of uh, a child. So, um, so we do that throughout stages. And then we, especially in our primary school here, we encourage them to do all the sports as well, because we believe that's going to be good for their foundation. Um, so the demands on the primary school, they're, they're very multi-sporty, uh, based guided then to, just towards football. Um, but when they start to move on to secondary school, it's when we start to specialize them a little bit more. It's when the, the, the timing will be more focused and dedicated for the sport that they choose. So for football, um, we have three age groups in secondary. So under 14, 16 and under 18. And then when they reach out the under 18 level, it's a daily a training, sometimes a twice a week, a twice a day. So it's about eight trainings a week, 12 hours um, plus a game. So that's that's we believe that with that amount of um, hours, we will get where we want. Um, knowing that in the international school environment, you have a lot of holidays which is make our life a bit complicated. That's why when we have the chance to have the students here, we need to take the best out of them. And the trainings are very intense as well to make sure that we cover that period that they're going to be away um, during the holidays. Summer holidays are a challenge for academics as well. And you notice student levels drop and have to build again in August or September. 
is that the same problem then for, for football? Do you notice a dip? In yeah, yeah, time? absolutely. It's a seven, eight weeks, you know. And if you think about um, the physical side, he will be completely detrained if he do not carry on with, um, with the sport. So we have a few strategies during the summer to tackle that situation. One, we're trying to attend tournaments. So we, we keep our players a little bit more, an extra week or two weeks with us. And we have training plans for the summer as well. So we, we guide the players on what they have to do. And then we monitoring that during the summer as well. And most of them, they get back to their houses and they get back to the old clubs and that they can still training and playing there. Uh, we help them as well to find uh, summer camp programs that they can enroll and train in and make sure that they keep a decent level of fitness and, and, and football as well. How has the academy developed over the years? How has it changed? So it changed a lot. I think um, starting from our coaching staff, um, I start here by myself in the beginning. And then now we have, uh, we are five football coaches full time in a school, plus a strength conditioning coach. And we have um, helpers that um, work with us um, with different age groups. So we have PE teachers helping us. We have PE interns helping us and our own old, uh, our own senior students, they help out with the, with the younger ones as well, because it's very demanding. It's a large number of students. So starting from the staff, um, then obviously the number of participants. So that uh, grew up massively in the beginning, we didn't have the girls. So now we have the girls as well. So which kind of make almost two sports in terms of numbers. And, and that's bring is being uh, pretty good so far. In the beginning, we didn't have a set of competitions. So when I first got here, we had our soccer sevens and a few other competitions on our radar. So we start to participate and, and have taste in different competitions to see, to, to try the level, to see if that fit to us. Um, in the beginning, when I first arrived, pretty much the school only plays seven aside football. And I start to develop that. And, and now we play more 11 aside, which is the, the real, the real game. And we try to enter more in 11 aside competitions than in a seven aside. Um, and obviously international exposure because um, being Phuket in a small place, probably that's one of the big challenges we have. It is the competition. And because now our level raise up significantly, it's hard to have competitors um, to play us here. So we have to, to seek for different challenges. So now we get to travel a lot. Obviously that with the COVID restrictions now, it's make a little bit harder, but um, one of the highlights of our program, it is our traveling and it's exposure that the, the, the kids get going out and play different places. Uh, I know um, Cruzeiro has, has extended the contract with BISP, so you know, we're looking forward to the future now. Um, what expansion has there been of Cruzeiro International over the years and what's the plan that's going forward? Yeah, I'm also in charge of the, trying to develop the Cruzeiro brand across Asia. And we've been working uh, very hard to make that happen because that's one of the main aims of the club is to have a, a brand position in Asia. So now we, we are starting a 
a different academies in different places in the world. So we just launched our academy in Bangkok, uh, which is going to um, be great to us. You know, it's going to be a flow between games uh, across the two academies and tournaments as well. So we open academy in Moscow and we have an academy in the Philippines. We have a few in Japan and 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 on Kuwait as well. So we're looking at uh, different places still. But um, there, that's been good movement around football, I think, especially uh, when things come down with COVID, there will be more opportunities and we are open to try develop. We just start a conversation also in Bhutan to try to set up in a program there in Malaysia as well. So I think we're trying to expand in, in, in create different um, places across Asia, which will benefit our network here because we'll maximize potential students coming um, to BIS, which is BISP is, is the center of all those uh, academy programs. It is the reference for everybody, uh, is the, the model. So everybody is looking up to us now. And you mentioned tournaments and events and competition. What do we have coming up uh, in the near future? Yeah, I think after Christmas, we are looking very much forward to attend competitions again. We'll start with our in-house games. So we get the friend friendlies going uh, back here at the campus. Then we have our um, year tournament in Samui that we probably will, will attend there again in partnership with our friends from fan football. So there are a few competitions in Bangkok that we we lining up and will we'll depend on the restrictions to go there. But I think the highlight of the year will be our tournament in Spain. So we're trying to attend the Iber Cup in Spain this summer and taking four age groups uh, to that competition, which will be a fantastic uh, experience and exposure to our players back into uh, international football again. So we are preparing our players very hard for that competition. We've been there for three or four years and we got very, very positive results. But most importantly, like I said in the beginning, it's just the international exposure that we're going to give to our students attending that caliber, high caliber competition. Which age groups are in Albuquerque? So we are aiming for under 14s, uh, boys, under 16s and under 18s, um, and then under 19 girls. Okay, and, and where do the teams come from to that competition? So there are a lot of clubs from Spain, obviously, but um, all over Europe, um, Africa, some clubs from South America as well, and some clubs from Asia. It's it's a very international um, tournament, high level, and we are expecting a big challenge when we get there. And I think that's why we we always like to come back there. It's, it's because it's always hard. Uh, it's a five days competition where we can play up to seven games. So it's very demanding in terms of uh, the physical side of it as well. It's a, it's a great fun for the kids because um, the parents go and they cheer and then there's supporters and there a lot of people watching as well. So it gives to them a, a good um, experience around the high level competition. What was the beach soccer event this year? and Is that going to be continued? Yes. So we had our first beach soccer last year and then we are preparing for the next one in February uh, 12 and 13 of Feb. Um, this year we'll have um, other two sports that will be joining us. So we're going to have beach tennis and open water um, swim. So we will expand age groups this year. So last year we didn't take the seniors and this year we will. 
um, and there's a large, we, we aim for 150 competitors that's going to be open for the whole school, which is brings the community together. And we expecting to have a great event in, event in partnership with uh, Laguna. And finally, what are the, what are your plans for the academy going forward? Um, yeah, we have a few things that we obviously we want to improve. Um, looking at our facilities and we, we want to try and improve that for the next uh, coming years, having a, a weather pitch, which is going to benefit us a lot um, due to the, the rainy season that we have. Um, we are looking to get uh, more staff and then having more staff, we can increase the number of participants as well. Um, and obviously try attend different competitions and keep preparing the players to achieve what they want, which is the professional football, still developing a network and contacts around clubs to open up doors. And we have a, a, a dream to host our own ID college um, tournament and, and camp here in BIS, where we're going to bring uh, coaches from US to watch the players over here. So that's a part of plan for next year if everything goes well. So there's a lot of things that we're preparing. Hopefully that we can make those things happen in the near future. Sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, thank you for your time, John. Thank you so much.